Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome to K Golasso USA versus Mexico recap presented to you by Sonos Beam, the premium smart soundbar for TV, movies, games, music, and more. So stay tuned for additional details about the Sonos Beam later in today's show. Dosacero, Pulisic is back on the field and back on the score sheet. Further vindication for Weston McKinney and a hat trick of victories for the U.S. men's national team over Mexico in the calendar year. Kegelasso begins right now. Hey everyone, welcome to Kegelasso. Before we get into the recap, we've got an important announcement to make. We've got a $100 gift card for a Paramount Plus subscription to give one lucky viewer. Wow. Yep, that's right, Jimmy. Hold on, hold on. To give it away though, we need your help. The powers that be have set a benchmark of 150 likes during this live cast. So you know what to do. Start smashing that like button. And it's simple. If we reach that number, 150, we'll raffle away the prize. So if you want to be in with a chance of watching yeah. CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers, UEFA Champions League, Serie A, NWSL, and loads of other elite soccer competitions for free, as well as tons of movies, shows, and other sports, then drop your Twitter or IG handle into the chat, and our producer will pick one name at random and contact the lucky winner about delivery details. We will announce the winner in Sunday's Jamaica versus USA preview podcast slash video. So remember though, if we don't get to 150 likes, the hundred bucks stays here and we'll have to do it another time. So make sure you hit that like button and don't go anywhere. Jimmy Conrad, what is going on, my man? Uh, sorry, I'm just on YouTube right now, smashing that like button. So I yeah. can win a $100 gift card, everybody. You know what? I'm absolutely buzzing because Dosa Cero. Dosa Cero. And you know what? It actually validates the tough decisions that I think Greg Berhalter had to make. Who is he going to start at goalkeeper? He went with Zach Steffen. Zach Steffen was immense, making some big, big saves. I think if you're going to win a game or any kind of competition of consequence, you got to have a hot goalkeeper. Zach Steffen stepped up and was the guy. And I think maybe he's edged into number one status over Matt Turner currently. But outside of that, the John Anthony Brooks decision. That was very controversial to leave John Anthony Brooks with all of his experience at home, not even in bringing him in, and then, much to probably the disdain for all the Euro snobs out there, starting two MLS center backs, Heath Pierce. And guess what? They got a clean MLS sheet. Yep. A clean sheet against one of the best front threes in all of CONCACAF, Chucky Lozano, Raul Jimenez, and Tecatito. Yes, they had a couple chances. Chucky should have maybe finished his chance. XFM made a good save. Tecatito whiffed on his. But that's not what everybody remembers at the end of the day. We got a clean sheet, and I'm here for it. And I thought the rest of the team, as you say, Heath, and we've talked about this before, if you're going to win a game of consequence, you got to have a lot of players playing at like a 7 or 8 level out of 10. 
-hmm. And we had a lot of players at that seven or eight level tonight. And that's why we got the result. Yeah, outside of a Zach Steffen, I can't really think of anybody who was pushing on the 10. But collectively, we saw in the first half. And, you know, I think we judge this team of first half and second half, obviously, because they're always it's the bipolarity of that is is insane. But we look at that and, and uh, you know, the team put out I, I thought the fight was really good. There was a few moments. That, and one of the chances that Mexico had in the first half was an unbelievable build up play. Right. Uh, Ch- uh, Chucky one touches it into to. um I'm blanking on all the names because they lost to the U.S. 2-0. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, whips one in. They play one, two, three touches, and now they're on a breakaway. There's a couple other ones that was a bad turnover by Tyler Adams. There was a few of these moments, right? But I don't ever remember, Jimmy, and, and you tell me your take on playing against Mexico and, and, uh, and the times that you played against them. Was there ever a game where you didn't give up chances to Mexico where, where your goalie didn't have to make a save or some sort of stand-on-your-head type of defensive play or things like that? Because I can't remember any of those uh, or any game, even against big competition where you didn't have to get a little bit of luck your way or somebody didn't have to make a big play to keep you in the game. What's funny is when I, and I don't do this often, I'm sure you're like, yeah, sure, Jimmy, of course you do. But when I go back and watch the Dos Cero I was part of where I was <coughs> man of the match, I uh, look back on it. My like, God, we actually gave up. Is that the one you scored? You didn't sc- score in the Dos Cero. I did. I scored in the Dos Cero. Oh, you and did. I did. Thanks for Tell bringing that up. Can we, Des, can we roll that clip? Anyway, everybody's seen the clip. It's already brainwashed. Everybody, I've got everybody properly brainwashed. What I'll say in that one, when I do watch it back though, we gave up a ton of chances. Tim Howard did make some unbelievable saves or mm-hmm. Mexico didn't, didn't have that composure, that class that they needed in front of goal. And that, that result could have been much, much different. And I think that's what burns Mexican fans and the Mexican players a lot is that they didn't deserve to lose 2-0 in the game that I played in the Dos Cero. And maybe in this one, 2-0 wasn't a fair result Same either. Same for me, by the way. But it seems to happen that way. It's crazy. Yeah, talk to me about your experience because that game that I played in the Dos Cero easily could have been 2-2. I, I, I tell this I, I tell this story and I've told it a million times. So if you're if you're a regular with Jimmy and I, we're sorry. We, we all we've got, <laughs> you know. I always go back to the James Gandolfini quote where he says in in um in what's the show, the Sopranos. Um, Sopranos. Jeez, Louise, my brain's fried from this game. Well, you're, where he you're goes, emotional. you know, I remember when is the lowest form of communication. I'm like, dude, that's all I got. Why would a guy say something like that? And it makes me insecure <laughs> thinking about it. But in my dose of zero again. There was a moment in the first minute, and Tim Howard has to sort of stay close on his body. John, um, um, Dos Santos gets a, a, a goal. Giovanni Dos Santos gets a goal-scoring opportunity on his left foot driving in and makes the save. And then from that moment, things started to get better. And they didn't have a ton of chances from there, but Rafa Marquez got sent off. Uh, Michael Bradley had a brace that game. One of them was a, a, a bad goalkeeper error. You know, It was just a number of things that happened where you go, Oh, when I play that back and the way that we grew up playing the game, you're like, well, we didn't have possession much and they sort of controlled the flow of the game, but it's two zero feels a little bit unfair, um, but you kind of take it right in the U S I think in the second half, we're a very different team in the first half, but Mexico scores two out of three of those, or even one of those uh, it's, it's different. Now, Jimmy, let's start with, let's go with, well, let's talk a little bit about Pulisic and then I, we'll, we'll get to the back line. You were very much about, or at least had him not in your starting lineup. And right. I had him in where I was like, dude, 60, we got to get him in. You can always take him out. You can put mm-hmm. Brendan Aronson or Timo Weah. And you had a different vision for that. And you had Timo Weah almost propped up very early on, more than I would have when I looked at him and sort of his inconsistencies of performances in the national team. Kind of tell me about Pulisic, Timo Weah, why, why you kind of came up with that. And, and, and then obviously on, on, on uh, CBS Sports HQ, you had predicted 
that uh, Pulisic is going to come on and score again. Not a huge, <laughs> predi- not a huge prediction, but it, it does when he actually when it actually happens. It's it's a nice feeling. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate that that uh, lead in, Heath Pierce. What I saw of Christian Pulisic is I thought through the conversation that Greg Berhalter most likely had with Thomas Tuchel at Chelsea, and the fact that he does have a tag of being injury prone and can this time at least. Can everybody work together and row the boat in the same direction to make sure that we bring him back properly? And and I think Thomas Tuchel, I don't know how much he studies the U.S. men's national team, but could look at the team and say, you have players that can step up and play. You've already had success without Christian in the team. Can you just roll out those guys to start and then maybe bring Christian on as a super sub like we have been in these last couple of games before the international break? And I think that maybe was a conversation to have. And maybe the compromise from Greg is, well, four days after that, we have a game in Jamaica. We'd love to start him in that one. Are you okay with that? Okay, let I me ask you this. Let me ask ahead. you this on, on that note. Does it change for you now that the U.S. beat Mexico? We're sitting on 14 points, right? We know that there's three points. We know that there is three points out there against Jamaica. I truly believe that we should be going there to get three points, uh, knowing what we know now and the performances of the team. But do you change your mind now knowing that, well, we don't need him as much. We still need him, but do we need him to have – a bigger role than he had tonight in terms of building him back up into the player that we want for the next six, eight months. And considering he is injury prone. No, and no, by that's the way, Todd says Pulisic should come off the bench in the next, in the next match. That's, no, no. And you bet, you mentioned that on HQ to give you some love on HQ. You also agreed with Todd and said that Pulisic should come off the bench the next match. I think that the benefit of this particular qualifying window is that we only have two games in that same seven or eight days, as opposed to the previous windows where we had to play three games in in a week or eight days. That's crazy. So we don't have to rotate as much. So to your point, I think we have the luxury of rolling out a good core of players to be the same. And that could include Christian Pulisic coming off the bench. Brendan Aronson, maybe a little bit quieter in this one. I think Mexico is craftily good at at defending and probably don't get the credit they deserve. And yes, they didn't make the plays that ultimately um, to make the difference to win the game tonight. And I'm okay with that. But Brendan Aronson maybe didn't have as much influence, but he pops up in spots. I remember him being kind of quiet in the Canada game. And then all of a sudden he counter presses, wins the ball off a throw in. And that leads to us breaking and him finishing it off to get the goal against Canada. So he has those moments because he's tireless. He's got an engine on him where he's still always poking and prodding to make something happen. His head doesn't go down. So there could, I, you, could, you could easily convince me why Aronson should start and, 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 and Weah as well. The reason I said Weah, getting the, the, getting the nod over you know, Areola or anybody else at that side, was because I think you want to build, what I know about Greg Berhalter, you want to give these guys the belief that, hey, you, you scored in the last game against Costa Rica. Was it the cleanest goal ever? Was Keeler Navas on end? Whatever. But you go back to him. And when you go back to him, you might get another version of Timothy Weah that you hadn't seen before because he knows the coach has his back. And I think we saw that tonight. So we can get into him a little bit later. But with regard to Christian Pulisic, he has that clutch gene. I think Weston McKinney has it well, where they, as well, where they, they step up and they want to make it's a good big job. plays. And, and, and Pulisic, to his credit, was doing something that I didn't really see a lot from Aronson. When the ball went wide, there was a commitment in the box. And I think there was some tactical change at halftime where we didn't commit with those same types of numbers in the first half. And maybe because we weren't holding the ball up the same or whatever it may be, but the balance and the communication of the team felt better. And, and we tried to isolate certain players in 1v1 situations. And we got a lot of crosses in. And there was a commitment to get there. And I think maybe they identified or maybe Christian identified by himself. I don't want to take any credit away from him. Just get inside the box, run with a commitment and see what happens. 
And for him to get across one of the center backs to get a header, to unlock everything and score is really tremendous. And I just really think it speaks to his ability to be a difference maker. And that's something that even though we have guys that can do the job, Christian Pulisic still has that little X factor difference maker that we need. So yeah, to your point, we want him to stay as healthy yeah. for as long as possible. Well, well, Johnny says Aronson is a stud, but his delivery on set pieces fair. needs That's improvement. Fair. I think fair. I think it's a fair critique of Brendan Aronson tonight that, that you had. And we can't expect him to have that game every game. You know, we used to talk about it. Let, let's use Landon Donovan as an example, right? Clutch gene. Would you agree? Yes. But Landon Donovan wasn't around in a lot of long portions of a lot of games. But when it came time to deliver for his team, even if he was having an average or a subpar match or an okay match or a seven, eight or a nine, whatever he would deliver. And I think that's what we see out of McKinney d- delivering in these big types of games. Like what was that? What was that stat that came out? Something about seven of his eight goals or something have been game in, in actual uh, real competitions for the U S seven of Mc- West McKinney's eight um, have come in official competitions. And that's a clutch gene, right? Mm-hmm, Christian Pulisic, mm-hmm. same thing. And there's something about that game where we need to analyze or or judge them uh, differently because we know they have that X factor. Weston McKinney has that X factor. You he don't does. get to Juventus at his age coming from Schalke unless somebody is able to recognize that X factor that you have. Jimmy, let's talk. About, let's 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 shift gears a little bit to uh, the performance of this team. Okay, first half and second half. You know, we had a comment on here earlier that it looked like two different USA teams. We've seen that almost this entire World Cup qualifying campaign. I want to know, is this a positive or a negative to, for you? Because on one hand, I'm like, this is scary because you play against the best in the world, game's over by halftime. Having said that, the fighting spirit that you have to tap into as a team, as a group, that this team is going to benefit from in the long run, of being able to go into a locker room up against it, down goals, you know, uh, playing poorly, giving up chances against Mexico in this game specifically, being behind against teams that you shouldn't be behind in to claw their way back into these games. Costa Rica, Honduras, staying tight on El, El Salvador, bouncing back from Panama, even though they didn't bounce back, but they bounced back the next <laughs> game. Um, beating Mexico in this context after not having a great first half. That to me, there's something really powerful in that, but you don't want it to become a trend, at least in my book, where that's what you rely on is that fighting spirit to keep you in the games of like, oh, we're, we're never out of a match because, again, against the best in the, in the world, you're done. So what I'll say is, and I find this stat to be fascinating, that we've scored 11 goals so far in our seven mm-hmm. games in World Cup qualifying, and 10 of those goals have been in the second half. The only other time that we had a first-half goal was against Costa Rica, and that was an absolute banger from Serginho Dest. If that's what we're trying to count on to score goals in the first half, yes, that's, that's a problem. And I think you and I, we, we, we talk off camera about this a ton as well. And we probably should record us just talking off camera. We about talk it. on like, camera, but on off, camera, off, off, off camera, recording. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's nonstop that we talk about this type of stuff. And we just want to see more of the second half and the first half. We want to see this team become complete for 90 minutes. And we're getting closer to it. But we gave up some really good chances to Mexico in the first half. Two very clear cut. Thank God for Zach Steffen you know, saves and, and maybe that presence for the whiff of Tecatito Tecatito, by the way, becoming my favorite Mexican player of all time with that whiff, because that would have changed the game a lot. So, so it's interesting when you say performance, what I think I like about us is that at least we're capable of adapting to the situation. We're capable of adapting to 
okay, this is being taken away from us. This is how we set out our tactics in the first half. It didn't work out. Now what are we going to do to rectify it? And it seems like we're rectifying it quite quickly. And on top of that, rectifying it in a way where we're actually turning half chances into full chances. Because I think we were just full of half chances in the first half in this particular game. Second half, we started to materialize. We started to pepper Memo Ochoa. We started to make Mexico suffer a little bit. And as I saw with one of the comments there, Mexico failed in their high press. And I think that actually speaks to the quality of players that we have in the team, including Zach Steffen, a goalkeeper. Zach Steffen threaded the needle like a 40-yard pass in the first half that split that two sick. lines from Mexico. <laughs> was I was like, what the hell is this guy, you know? And then on top of that, when he's making world-class saves, which is what we thought Matt Turner had over him was these you know, quick reaction saves. If he continues to play like that, it's going to be hard for Matt Turner to ever see the field for the U.S. Yeah. But I thought Zach Steffen was immense. And when you have that type of player in the back and, or, and also defenders that are comfortable under pressure, it makes a big difference. And then I want to give a shout out to our midfield as well, because we're only as good in transition as our midfield, right? As the cliche goes, you win games in midfield. And I thought tonight our guys were a little bit better and they wanted the ball in tough spots. I thought we were a little sloppy with our passing in the first half, just loose passing. And it wasn't even due to Mexico's pressure. It's just almost too casual and, and touches were a little bit too too big and it led to some issues we're almost putting ourselves in these bad situations i think we cleaned that up in the second half i think our communication was better our team balance was better and i think we identified either the coaching staff or the players let's just get it to our guys wide and let them go 1v1 against some i think vulnerable mexican defenders i think we really identified some vulnerabilities in mexico and we made them pay for it yeah let me ask you this uh for this team is is like, were you, did you think they had a bad first half? Do you think the U.S. was poor in the first half? Because no, one no. of the things that what, that I really liked was the swarm press was great. Like, they were, the energy was really, really high. I just feel like, again, that cohesiveness and that, you know, this goes back to how often we change our roster, how many, how often we yeah, change our yeah. lineup, but that cohesiveness of that pre classic pressure cover balance. One guy goes, the others drop in. That movement that you get when you're in a club team and you work on that all the time, right. you know, uh, it's really important, and you only get so many sessions with this team that I thought the energy was good, but perhaps Mexico started baiting us, almost even on the press where they were like, let's work it all the way back to Ochoa. Ochoa <laughs> skips the lines and see if we can bring it down, win the second ball, and then get after them. And, and it almost worked a couple of times very early on, um, but if you look at their combination play, that's what they were trying to do, get us to overcommit, draw you in, and then slot balls through. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I want to agree with Nick Streeter in the comment uh, that mentioned that we started to find our groove at the end of the first half. What I found to be interesting, I love the swarm press and I love the commitment, as you're saying. Once our communication got a little bit cleaner, then I think we were almost doing the swarm press in a way that made it more effective because we had that balance. If Mexico, because sometimes you do the swarm press mm -hmm. and the other team gets a lucky bounce, like Weston McKinney got on his goal. And, and, you, you still want to be in a position where you can still defend it. You're, you're still prepared almost for the lucky bounce. In the first half, we saw on the, on the chance that Chucky Lozano had, Walker Zimmerman, Miles had already stepped into midfield to cover somebody. He got pulled out of position. Then when Raul Jimenez gets the ball, you have Walker Zimmerman who comes maybe a step too late, and that allows big gaps because DeAndre Yedlin and Anthony Robinson were both dropped behind the center backs, and mm -hmm. there's a big swath of space there that Mexico effectively uh, took advantage of. Now, thankfully, Zach Steffen made a good save and Yedlin got on his horse to put a little bit of pressure there. That got it sorted out where one center back from that point forward, or at least in the second half, step, maybe stepped into in midfield to, to cover Raul. 
and then the other center back would stop or uh, step back and give some cover. Also, I was worried the second of the first half, we did see Anthony and DeAndre Edlin both bombing forward at the same time. You just can't have that. I, I yeah. love the eagerness to your point that that we have players that want to get you forward. Know, they you know what that's like, though. I do. I do. In, in locker rooms, the coach is always saying, pick and choose your, like for the, for the fullbacks, pick and choose your moments. And, you know, those types of things, like we can't have you both. If one goes, the other one stays. And, you know, you need to have that uh, balance, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah, I just want to give a shout out. We, we, we have our producer who's seen all of your comments. Keep those comments coming and keep asking because we want to answer as many as we can. Obviously, sometimes we get into the flow. As it were, we can't go off on a tangent. That's what we do. It's part of our. Yeah, but it looks like your here. comments have disappeared. Uh, Des, don't worry, producer, don't worry. He sees. He's got a beautiful mind. He sees everything, uh, and he'll make sure that we 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 get those going on there. And and uh, also for your social handles when we we're going through these likes. So make sure you hit that like button. As a reminder, we're giving away a hundred dollar uh, Paramount. Give them Plus the details, Heath. Give them the, the details. Well, yeah, we're giving a hundred dollar Paramount Plus subscription gift card. Uh, so if and only if. We, we get, get to 150, 150 likes. likes. Yeah, we're like, a, we're like at 120 right now. Smash that like yeah, button. Yeah, so that we have a chance, and you'll be in a raffle, and we'll announce it in our Jamaica versus U.S. preview on the next. Yeah, one. I like that. I like that. And if and if we if we keep going, if we blow past that, um, we're gonna get Des to to maybe he gets in trouble for this, but maybe we got to give away a second if people just maybe. keep crushing maybe that. We should. Up. We should. Uh, if we get the 300, we should consider it. Yeah. I, uh, so, Jimmy, three defeats in 2021. Does it feel like the U.S. is becoming a fortress for U.S.-Mexico? Because remember, the U.S. has played Mexico almost always outside of a qualifier at Azteca. The game U.S. always plays Mexico in the U.S. Is it feeling more like a fortress? Question one. Question two. Is Tata Martino in the hot seat now? Look, they're going to cruise to World Cup qualifying. This is his sixth defeat in charge, and he's in like the 30-plus wins and like seven draws. He's got a great record. But three of those are against the U.S. Is his job, do you think, because it's so personal that his job's in jeopardy? Or, you know, and I know we we, we, we talked to Wieso Vasquez about this stuff, that there's not really another option right now, but do you think it's his, at least his seat is heating up? Or is it just sort of like, ah, tough year. Uh, we're still Mexico. We're still going to qualify. Okay, first, this is the first time the U.S. has beaten Mexico three times in a calendar year since 1934 or something crazy. Yeah, so it's been a while. Yeah. Put that feather in our cap, right? Yeah. So I'll take that. I think if there's sensible leadership at FMF, the, the Mexican Federation, you're not firing Tata Martino. But I will say that this one probably hurts the most because if we look at the Nations League final, they were up 2-1 with 15 minutes left to go. We got a set piece to make it 2-2. We win in penalties or we win off a of Christian Pulisic penalty. But Guardado missed his penalty. You know, I mean, there, there's a lot of room for Tata to be like, Eh, we got a little unlucky, you know. It's a game I mean, of moments. Pieces, it's a game of right? moments. It is a game of moments. And we got a little unlucky. But uh, after 90 minutes, it was 2-2. Then you go to the Gold Cup final. It was 0-0 after 90 minutes. It wasn't that sexy of a game. It was kind of forgettable. But we end up scoring three minutes before penalties. Miles Robinson on another set piece. Again, he could go in there and be like, eh, it's the fine margins. What are you going to do? I don't, ha- I don't have my best players out there. Now, tonight, I don't think he actually, especially in the back line, maybe didn't have his best players. But his front six were pretty solid. You know, you have some you have some world-class ability in that front six. And arguably the best front three with Tecatito, Raul Jimenez, and Chucky Lozano. Even though they did create two good chances, when the game got a little bit tighter and the U.S. got a little bit more organized after the second half, that's when I think I'd be the most disappointed as leadership of Mexico. Like, where, where was that creativity, that, that ability to take over the game when we needed it? 
When, where were our big chances in the second half? They didn't have any until they started to potentially start to drop balls and be play with a little bit more urgency. So that would be where I'd be almost a little bit disappointed from a federation standpoint. But for them to fire him now, who are they going to bring in? That has, what about if they lose to Canada? We had a comment in here that he's not a, he's not in the hot seat unless they lose to Canada. They're going to Edmonton. That's, that's not true. A, that's not a fun place to play, and Canada's well, hot right now. That's true. We just saw Daniel Pinto. Daniel Pinto had a comment saying, after this window, if Mexico loses to Canada, Mexico could be in third after this window, which is crazy to think about given how well they started. Now, yes, he would be on the hot seat for sure. I feel like anytime you take over a job of that magnitude, especially the Mexican national team, you're already on the hot seat. Even if you haven't done anything, you, you, like, you get the mm. job and people are like, I want him out. He sucks, you know? And, and that's kind of probably the challenge and the thrill of the job is that you have that those types of stakes when you take over. I think if they do lose to Canada, there's still an element of how did the team play? And tonight, I think he had 45 minutes where they created more than enough opportunities to score. And that second 45 minutes is where I think I'd be the most disappointed if I was a Mexican fan. He's definitely on the hot seat, but still, what I like about it is I don't hear any chatter from a player perspective. And you and I know a couple guys behind the scenes that we could get some of that insight. I think they all really buy into what Tata Martino is yeah. doing. And I don't think you can always say that about previous managers. There was always some undercurrent of like, this guy's a clown. You know, he's gotten lucky or whatever it is. Yeah. So he's got some work to do, of course. You know, you got to build that confidence up again. You don't want to lose to the U.S. like they did, Dos Santo, because we're going to – that's what we do. We're going to rub it in your face until at least until the end of January when we play in Azteca. But uh, I would say it's going to depend on how they play against Canada. And then if we beat them again in Mexico City – then I think you will probably strongly consider maybe Tata Martino isn't the right guy. Yeah. Well, when I think about this Mexico side, Jimmy, and let's go back uh, on a little bit of a short little history. For the U.S., is this the most... uh, First half, again, I don't think it was poor. But when I go to the Nations League, I go, that's the way I remember the U.S. beating Mexico, right? Mexico dominates. Mexico gets a lot of chances. U.S. fights like hell. U.S. wins game. U.S. more disciplined qualify for World Cup type of thing in the field in 2018. That's sort of like the, the, the way it worked, right? There was a Rinse very repeat, simple recipe. There was like three ingredients in that in that recipe to make a beautiful World Cup uh, drink, <laughs> a cocktail. But this one today, you could start to see a little uh, uh, other glimpses. And, and when I when I speak specifically about players, I'm talking about um, Eunice Musa, who brings another element to the game where, oh, you're going to, Play that tight to me. All right, poof, I'm gone. See ya, I'm splitting up the middle on you. Weston McKinney has the same thing. Tyler Adams has this fighter mentality. We're starting to see these positional specialists that can solve problems that I don't think we ever had. Whereas before it was like, what, are you a fighter? All right, cool. That's a good step towards, uh, towards this national team is like that sort of fighting uh, spirit. Do right. you think the U.S. is, 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 is making way towards a, a little bit more of an identity and a little bit more of a level playing field in terms of quality with Mexico? Because I always looked at Mexico as better than us on the U.S. team in terms of player for player. The players that they had when I was in that generation, they had players, you know, they had Giovanni Dos Santos, they had Rafa mm-hmm. Marquez, they had guys at Barcelona. We now have players at Barcelona and Juventus and these clubs. Do you think we're, we're leveling in that and, and if it, even perhaps even surpassing the quality of that that we're starting to see come through? Because it felt like in that second half, the U.S. was taking it to them more than I remember the U.S. taking it to Mexico in, in most games. I think that surpassing feels a little bit strong. Uh, I, I just think that Mexico got some quality. I, I think where they lack, and somebody said they lack some speed, and and that's where we can take advantage of them at times. But usually, 
they made up for their lack of speed with their tactical acumen, their understanding, their 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 superior, let's say, IQ and tactics. Um, but I think we're closing the gap in that capacity. And it was always going to happen at some point. We were going to have a generation of players that could really go toe-to-toe with Mexico in every single facet of the game. What I find interesting, and I wanted to bring this up on HQ and I forgot, but the first half, when you look at who had more possession, it was us. We had 54% possession. Now, Ian Joy went in there and said it was kind of 50-50, but when you looked at the numbers, 54 to 46 for us in a half where we didn't necessarily look like we owned it and it felt really hectic and we didn't really establish a rhythm or flow is tremendous. And I think needs to be spoken about. I don't want that to, to, to go quietly in the night because that really speaks to our confidence, perhaps, that we are maintaining a little bit more possession than we thought that we did. Now, obviously, there were moments in that first half where I was so frustrated because there, and this is where I think the evolution of the team is. And maybe I'm answering like six of your questions <laughs> in different ways here. No, no. I ask a lot of, I lost, uh, I ask fair. a lot that's of triple barreled questions where there's just nowhere to go, but start talking. But this is what I think might be happening in our first halves. If I can put my coaching on, hat on for a second, that we have guys and we're on the ball, especially when we're eager and have a little bit more energy in the first half where two or three guys are ready to go and full attack. And then you have two or three guys that are maybe sensing it. That's not the right time to do it. And we just feel a little disjointed with that. And then in the second half, when everybody settles in and we can talk a little bit about what we saw in the first half and work through some of those things, we seem to be a little bit more of a well-oiled machine. We get a little bit more efficient in our movements. So I think that maybe gets brought into the equation. But that is going to be part of our evolution. Can we, as a team, decide when to go and when to slow down? And that's a level of tactical understanding that I don't know if we always had at a consistent, consistently, I would say, yeah. Keith, where even though we were playing with Claudio Reyna and John O'Brien and these these incredible guys at at, uh, maintaining rhythm and being deep line playmakers and really knowing the right pass in every situation. I feel like if we're going to really take those next big steps and start to compete with the biggest of nations on a regular basis, knowing how to establish a flow and a rhythm and knowing when to go collectively and when to drop off and having that collective sense of this isn't the right time. Let's just keep it. Let's catch our breath. Let's make them suffer a little bit. And then conversely, when another team establishes their rhythm, how quickly can we get that back? And, and I love talking about that because that gets into more of the why. Why are we making these types of decisions? Why are we going now? And, and can we solve all these problems? You can solve a lot of problems with good team yeah. shape. And anyway, you just take it from here because I'm going yeah. off on a tangent. No, no. I, I, my take on that is that I think this is the most intelligent generation we've ever had. Because all these kids grew up in professional environments. None of us did, right? These kids have reps. They have hours. They have what? however you declare somebody an expert at something. uh, These players are inching towards that. And in very high-level environments, most of them or a lot of them coming through MLS academies, others coming from other academies, but coming through professional environments where they're doing this from a young age. And I'm not saying that's like, you know, I'm not saying single sport from like, I'm not getting into the young, young age. But I, I think there is an intelligence to these players. There was times in the game, Jimmy, that I looked at these players going, oh gosh, oh no, he's off balance. He's going to, I look at Ricardo Pepe almost every time where I'm like, oh man, he's going to lose the ball. He's going to lose the ball. Uh, he's, he's, he's making a mess <laughs> of this. And he rolls one back first minute of the game, rolls one back like a little back heel. And then we spring out on a counterattack. Ball comes into him mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. very similarly to top strikers, ball comes into his foot. And with the outside of his foot, he just pops it back to a player and gets on with the game. And you're like, Oh, that's something different than I've seen before, right? Mm-hmm, that simplicity mm-hmm. of his game, but knowing that, oh, I've got a guy, I've got to hold a guy off. I'm just going to lay it off. And those little tiny details that I look at, 
for a number of players. And it was Weston McKinney a couple times, Eunice Musa, where I'm like, oh, don't play that ball. We don't have that range. You know, we don't, we can't slot that ball in. No, 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 we don't, we don't do that kind of, we don't play that kind of game. And then boom, same Zach Steffen, boom, that sl- slotting that ball through three, four players. I'm like, okay, there's something to this group in terms of that quality decision-making and the ability to execute that decision while playing with a very high IQ that I'm really excited about. Obviously, so much of it is raw and un- unharnessed sort of uh, unnurtured potential. But when I see that, I'm like, I don't remember seeing some of those types of things. Um, and real quick, Jimmy, for those of you that are entering into the raffle, you have to give your Instagram or Twitter handle, some sort of social handle, so our producer can put you into the pot for the uh, for yes. uh, the giveaway. And a reminder, yes. that's a, that is a $100 uh, Paramount Plus subscription gift card that you can get whatever subscription you want with Paramount Plus. That could last if you got the 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 lightest subscription. That could last you over a year. Others, you know, depending on the premium subscriptions and whatnot, it's it's pretty great. Just trust me on that. So make sure. So, but you we like have to get, when we get, to, we we have to get, get 150, 150 likes. likes collectively. Yeah. We can do it. Smash that like button. Make it happen. And then use your Twitter handles, social media handles, whatever you want. Put mm-hmm. that in the chat so Des can mark it. And that way you guys have a chance to win. We'll announce the winner on Monday for our preview show. Jimmy, our, our producer yes. said lots of likes, not a lot of social handles. So we need those social handles because we want you guys to be entered into it uh, to make sure that you could potentially win it. Because it sounds well, we're right. past the 150 yeah. mark. So we got we? The, we got the likes now. Now put your Twitter handles or your Instagram handles in the chat right now so we can contact you if you win our mm-hmm. raffle. So get after it. Go do it now. Flood the Jimmy, chat with your handles. Yes. Jimmy. Yes. N- for this upcoming game against Jamaica, and we're going to do a full preview on Sunday where we give away this raffle and announce that. So we're not going to get too deep into it. But McKinney and Miles Robinson suspended for that game against Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Does that make a big difference to the team, the potential, or do you think that there's enough quality out there uh, regardless? It does. I think actually Weston McKinney maybe hurts us a little bit more because I think Chris Richards, I like Miles Robinson. He's been our most consistent. I think one of our most consistent players throughout this qualifying campaign. He but not a star, it. but not a star. Not right? yet. Like not yet. Let's put a caveat. Not yet, but, but Chris Richards can come in and I think have a similar impact on the game. And I think he's going to be relishing the opportunity knowing he's going to get all 90 minutes. And if Walker Zimmerman ends up being kind of the steady guy in that back line, then it's going to be a fight to see who can be next to Walker or conversely next to Miles Robinson. So there's a big opportunity here for Chris Richards. The Weston McKinney one is interesting because now you get to decide you have options. You can go with the old Greg Berhalter favorite, Legette, who we love, friend mm-hmm. of the show, nice guy, super guy, does the job, good leader, good experience. Or you can go with Abusio, who I think can help kind of dictate the flow of the game, right? And, and know when to slow it down and speed it up, like I was just talking about. That's an interesting choice. I thought Yunus Musa was fantastic tonight. His running with the ball, breaking the lines with his run. He had a move in the second half. I almost, I didn't even know what to say. Little step over, little uh, drop of the shoulder, and he was gone to get out of some pressure. I can't believe that kid's only 18. It's ridiculous. And he's so good at holding the ball up under pressure, too, and drawing that foul to slow everything down, let us catch our breath, maybe draw a set piece in and around the attacking third of our side, and obviously they're defending third. So Eunice Musa, I think, needs to be in there. I could see Busio. I don't know what everybody else thinks. I don't know what you think, Heath. And then really the other decision is, do you start Pulisic or do you you keep Brendan Aronson and allow Pulisic to be the super sub? Maybe that's a, maybe that's a Thomas Tuchel decision more than anybody else's, but I'm kind of curious about those three spots in particular. But I think Richards has got Miles Robinson locked up. I like that. And Daniel Kane says Zimmerman is probably the most underrated just because of MLS career. I mean, you're that starting was, to see uh, the that exposure. Was 
Yeah. 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 You're starting to see the exposure of that uh, when he left LAFC and just the big hole that they've struggled to fill the void of obviously some injuries and other things. That's a conversation for another time, but just the value of somebody. Sometimes you don't know how good it is until they're gone uh, for a player like that. But listen, everyone, we are going to take a quick break. If you're listening to this in podcast form, we will be right back. If you're watching this on YouTube, stay right here. We're not going anywhere. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What is going on, everybody? Jimmy, we are back. We, we, we've got some more U.S.-Mexico to talk. People are enjoying it. So make sure you send those comments in. We want to get them onto the show and engage with them, talk about them, and keep those likes going up because if we're lucky, you know, we're going to get Dez to make, uh, make us have to do... Uh, Two giveaways. Now, Jimmy, let's talk about VAR or the lack thereof, okay? There's some drama on that. Some drama around the rodriguez uh, Aronson incident. We know we've com- we've been complaining about the lack of VAR. Now, Jimmy, before we get into that, I do want to say, when you're up 2-0 against Mexico and the 90th minute hits and the fourth official comes out and gives you four minutes... That's when I start to like that there's no VAR because it's not seven, it's not eight, it's not nine, it's not another quarter of an hour that we're seeing VAR add to these games now. We know we got to get through four minutes. We're down a man. We're going to scrap this thing out. We, we're going to survive this. Now, that makes me excited. However, seeing my guy, Brendan Aronson, get his eye gouged in front of the world with the exposure that we have now is a huge miss for me. And the U.S., I thought, handled it well. I thought the U.S. stood up for him. Everybody obviously saw it because it got real chippy and got real scrappy. Uh, but that was a that was an incident, Jimmy. That was an actual incident. I mean, they talked about curling the fingers into somebody's eye. That's a real that's a real thing. What are your what's your take on this? I think it's embarrassing that VAR isn't implemented in Concacaf World Cup qualifying. There's way too much at stake not to have another set of eyes. That, okay, whatever you think about VAR, but it would have gotten Chaka Rodriguez red carded for sure. As someone who suffered an eye gouge from Roberto Ayala from Argentina in the Copa America, it's not fun. And that was after I tried to get him back because when he tried to elbow me in the ribs, bastard. I'm still bitter with a Roberto Ayala <laughs> eye gouging me. But um, yeah, but he's famous. That's kind of cool. That's, that's kind of cool, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I can't see out of this part of my eye. It's a different conversation. (laughs) But but I do think that if VAR had been around, would Chaka try that stuff? I mean, he's dabbling in the dark arts of shithousery, you know? So it's very CONCACAF of him. So I appreciate him keeping that consistent. And I like that the game gets chippy. I always enjoyed when the games got a little bit chippy, when the emotion raised and who could keep cool and calm 
despite the heightened tension. And you could see that the game was getting away from Mexico a little bit. And and I'm glad we got the win, obviously, to 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 your point. I actually thought we handled it pretty well. Where I thought the referee got it completely wrong is that Zach Steffen comes out of his goal to help protect his player. And I don't know whether to calm it down or escalate. It didn't feel like he was escalating per se. Just, you know, standing up for his guy. And the referee gives him a yellow. And then Weston McKinney gets a cheap yellow for doing the same thing. Maybe it was for him pushing Chaka off of Brendan Aronson. But what else, what do you expect when a guy's getting eye gouged, you know, and getting ridden like a horse? <laughs> Walk of course going to step Sir, up and do something. Can you stop putting your fingers yeah. in my teammate's eye? So, I mean, uh, you got two guys that are standing up. We get two cheap yellows for two players. And then Chaka Rodriguez, who committed the foul that should have been a red, he gets a yellow too. It's just like, this referee's on something, man. I actually thought he was controlling the game pretty well for – a good portion of it. And then he just lost the plot and then the game just got really out of control. But, uh, and then he gave the second yell to, to, to miles, which was unfortunate. You know, maybe he did deserve it, but it just kind of sucked at that point. So I'm kind of bitter at the referee, to be honest. That's fair. Well, Jimmy, it's time for our favorite segment. Let's do it. Welcome to raising the bar presented by Sonos beam. This segment focuses on the players who raise the bar during the game, taking their game to another level. Jimmy and I will wax poetic about the players who exceeded our <laughs> expectations in Cincinnati. And yep, you guessed it, raised the bar. So Jimmy, who are you going with today? I'm actually going to go. Should be raised the VAR, uh, but you know. I'm not, wasn't going with, with VAR, but I like that. I'm going to go with Timothy Weah. I thought he was excellent tonight. I know that he was a little quiet in the mm -hmm. first half, given how well he played in the second half, but that seems to be a team trend. So I'm not going to hold it against him personally. He did get off a pretty good shot. I thought in the first half, kind of a signal of intent that, Hey, you know, I'm going to do something tonight. And, and I like that positivity and that confidence. I think that he took another step towards being more consistent. Now I'm going to use this as an example. Anthony Robinson, a couple months ago, wasn't our out and out left back. Right. It was Serginio Dest was preferred mm -hmm. over him, a right footer on the left side, because the confidence in Anthony Robinson wasn't great. Yeah. Anthony Robinson has that one game where you're like, ah, we should stick with him because I, there's enough there that I think if we stick with him, he'll get that confidence and can build on those appearances. Right. He can build on what he did before. We're starting to see that with Miles Robinson as well. And now they're kind of locked in as those guys. And that's great. Is he still your lock? Is, is Robinson still your lock at left back? Yes. Yes. Okay. And then you have well, until Joe Scally gets a chance, maybe yeah. I'll maybe that'll add some competition. But I like Anthony there, even though at times, you know, on that that Tecatito one, his positioning was a little. We don't have. To he looks tired today to me. Maybe, by the way. maybe, maybe. But I still like his game overall, yeah. and I, 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 I like I like left-footed players on the left side of the field. So let me just say it like that. And all and, right, he doesn't get into our raising the bar segment. He's not the one with Timo. I'm going Timmy Timo though. But I'm using Anthony as an example because. If you give some of these guys a proper run out, if you give them three or four games in a row, I think we're going to see, even with Brendan Aronson, like, ah, oh, like this is what he's capable of when we give him a little mm -hmm. bit of confidence and, and know that he's not being held to a standard, that he's not, that if he makes one mistake, he's going to sit on the bench for three games. You know, I, I, giving that to Timothy Way, I think is super important. And I know that maybe he was a bit of a surprise starter for some. I didn't think it was a surprise at all. And I thought that he, he leveled up, especially in the second half. They definitely, had a conversation in some capacity about just taking your guy 1v1 when you have the opportunity. And you don't need to beat him. You just have to yeah. create enough space to get a cross off. Very How traditional. Very traditional style winger. You only need the For width sure. of a ball space to get around the, the first foot 
and then to beat a few players. It's very, very old school direct winger. Like, yeah, he's not out on the touchline, but he's dribble, 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 and then get your little gap and whip it in as hard as you can. But, but when did, I, I agree with you, and I love that because how many meaningful crosses did he have in the second half? Five, six, seven. Led First to half, a goal. he had a few also, like where he just goes, takes a few touches, gets down to the touchline, and then just bangs it, which is awesome. And, and here's the, the, the thing that everybody needs to think about when that happens. If everybody's on the same page with your wingers and you know that they're going to take one or one touch and hit the ball in, you can make your timed runs. Mm -hmm. You can support the play in the box in a meaningful way. Nobody, like everybody's probably played some pickup, right? And you got that one guy who's taking like 70 touches. You're like, just cross the ball in already, man. Well, not only that, Jimmy, but the defenders get to set their feet if you take enough exactly touches, right? right? Then they get it's, into position, body exactly. length, like body positioning, everything like that. It gets harder to beat. Now you get them off balance, make the game predictable for your attackers. That's what you're saying. A hundred percent. And I think we saw that today, that the timing of our runs, and then there was just a commitment in the second half to get more numbers in the box. And that led to Weston McKinney very early on in the second half, getting a good shot that Memo Ochoa uh, pushed over the bar. And that was, again, another signal of intent. I think Timmy Weah is really pushing hard. And it's going to be interesting to see, and I, I should have finished that sentence, of, of being a regular. Mm -hmm. But when Gio Reyna comes back and is healthy again, and Pulisic's going to come back and be healthy, how do you maintain that consistency with those players that have done so well to help us get to this point and obviously are doing well collectively and individually? So... I thought raising the bar wise, uh, Timo Weah was my guy today. I thought he was fantastic. Okay. That's great. Oh, Dilly says, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I completely agree with Jimmy. By the way, we've had two Rockies comment on the show tonight. So Rocky, the name Rocky is that's, you know, I know one Rocky. I think it was Rocky Martin, but like the rest of them, uh, there's a lot of Rockies out there. But Jimmy, for me, I'm going to go with um, Zach Stefan. I would love to go with Timo Weah as well. Nice but shout, nice shout. I started to feel a little hurt when you were talking about just give these guys a chance and see how they, because Zach Steffen doesn't play at his club. You know, he plays right, right. sparingly, I guess is the right way to put it. Just signed a brand new five, six year deal. I'm sure, you know, he, he he's in the cash money on that deal, but I want to see him playing games and he's still young enough where, you know, goalkeepers age differently than, than, than field players do. Uh, but in this game, it's hard to simulate sharpness in training. And you and I both know that, right? If you're not, you, you, you train the way you play and, and, mm -hmm. but you need the games. You need the games to know the speed of the timing, the decision-making, your brain needs to be able to tell you, go here, make, go out for a punch, make a save. Obviously I'm talking about goalkeepers in this contest, right, but right. the timing of the game is hard to replicate and hard to simulate. And he stepped up big and he had the couple saves that we needed to keep it level at half. And then the team took over from there. And not only that, but I go back to that comment you said where he slotted that ball through three or four players in a tight space. And I'm like, mm -hmm. this is un so un good. unbelievable. And it's that kind of thing where you go, wow, there's another level to this guy. There is the, this guy has sees the game differently than any goalkeeper we've ever had in terms of the ball at his feet, his distribution, and his confidence in distribution. It's not like this, I'm going to try it once, and if it doesn't, I'm just going to lump everything long. He, that's his game. And... I think he rose to the challenge in that context. I think it's a challenge anytime you have to step into a big game and you're not playing regularly. I'm sure you've done that, whether coming back from an, inj an injury in your career. I know that you are a career starter most of the time at your club level, but for me, same thing. Coming into moments where you haven't played, even in a couple of weeks, you go, you're a little bit off, you know, and you have to tap into something different than having just played a few days earlier. Right, and for right. him to step up and lead this team gives me the confidence that we have a sure number one at this point. Now, making saves and all that. We saw Matt Turner all, all 
kind of for the last months making big saves like that, keeping the U.S., and I don't want to overlook that, but tonight, Zach Steffen is the top for me. Zach Steffen is my player that's raising the bar. Now, Jimmy. Yes. You know I just moved into a new house, right? I didn't, but uh, it looks fantastic, or at least the one wall I can see. Well, you you can only see this wall now, which is the studio space, but I will tell you this. My house, (laughs) pre-wired smart home, right? I got lucky. It's pre-wired for everything that I want. Flex of the day, everybody. Flex. Yeah, flex of the day. Uh, And it's built for someday. I want to be the the envy of all the rival dads in my neighborhood. (laughs) But the problem is now, Jimmy, I've got three kids. And so it's all just pre-wired, right? It was pre-wired up until recently. And we're like, should we get a sound bar? Should we not? What should we do? We got three kids when they're sleeping. I don't want to wake them up. So we waited. And the sound was terrible in the house. You know, the house was not made for the TV Mm -hmm. that I had and all that sort of stuff. So ended up getting a Sonos Beam. And I was very, very wrong, Jimmy. And here's why. (laughs) The Sonos Beam... has uh, panoramic sound, which is fantastic. It has speech enhancement. So when the kids are going crazy around the house, I just kind of put on speech enhancement. And I can <laughs> listen to sports and know what's going on. It's also got night mode, Jimmy, which means when the kids are sleeping or my wife goes to sleep or whatever, I can still enjoy the sound, the I quality, all of that stuff without uh, having to sacrifice the uh, immersive experience, so to speak. And the best part is, you don't have to piecemeal the whole speaker system together. When I got the Sonos Beam, it's just changed everything for me. Not only that, it's a new house. Like I mentioned, Jimmy, I've got this beautiful piece of artwork that is the Sonos Beam. And, you know, uh, for me, I'm a very simple man. But for my wife, she's like, hey, it's got to fit with the room. And guess what, Jimmy? It does. It's wall-mounted. It looks beautiful. But the sound that comes out of it is incredible. And, by the way, it's all connected to Wi-Fi. So you start with one speaker, and then you can build from there. And then they, because of the Wi-Fi, you can connect them th- all throughout the house and listen to whatever you want watch i I want one of these keep going i love i love this yeah it's it's amazing so i have all of these different things the sound of it is so crisp so clear when i get to the weekends we bump that music we have a park behind the house people dance over on that side of the park you know the neighbors (laughs) are haven't complained yet but we seem like brings people together hey the stone team brings people together i appreciate that exactly and listen People think that we're really cool in the neighborhood because we've got really good sound. Now, Jimmy, I told you, I want to do this all throughout the house. So if you have a plug for me to get that Sonos set up, obviously works. I listen to music on it. I watch movies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But when you can get that whole beautiful sound going, it's an incredible thing. And for those of you that are interested in hearing more, make sure you go to Sonos.com. You can learn all about it. The Sonos Beam has been an incredible experience for me. I love it. I don't regret it one bit. My kids are still sleeping great because it's got all these modes that you can go into to make sure that you can enjoy the experience without sacrificing the uh, quality of life within the house. Well done. You like that, Jimmy? Yeah. I do. It's fantastic. Thanks, man. Makes me want to go marry a Sonos Beam right now. It sounds like a <laughs> wonderful addition to the family. Well, listen, let's talk about everything else that's going on in the Ocho, the octagonal, what, yes. we're, what we've going on. So Honduras loses to Panama. Jimmy, this was a crazy one, right? Honduras go up 2-0 mm-hmm. as, as at as, home. As at home. I was home. excited. I was dancing. Uh, I was, you know, no disrespect to Panama, but for the U.S.'s sake, it's good for Panama to have lost this one. They come back, score crazy goals, and they win three to two on the road in San Pedro Sula. What was your takeaway from this one? And 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 do you think Panama are really making a case for a top three or at least a contention of this because they they don't seem to want to go easy? No, and we talked about Panama and their quality and their manager who's got them really well organized, Thomas Christensen and, and their number 10, Barsenas, who we're big, both big fans of. I'm just more disappointed in Honduras. You have 2-0 at home. 
And they were up 1-0 against us at halftime and gave up four goals. I, I just, I don't know what's going on with the team. They're now at the bottom of the table with three points. Had they won this, they would have gone up to six and they would have held Panama to eight. Everything would have been up in the air I for that. I was so happy spot. when I saw it too, when it was Chaos live. Was, when it was alive, when it's on the I live know. table, I was like, six points, this is great. You're going nowhere, but we're getting a benefit out of this. Yeah, yeah, that's true. From a U.S. perspective, Mexico perspective, Canada perspective, it would have been nice for Honduras to see that one out and create that little bit of a gap for the top three. But Panama's hanging around, and I think we could see they were going to be difficult to get through. They've created a little bit of a gap for that fourth spot as well. This big game, what actually makes me nervous is that now there's a real hunger from Costa Rica and Jamaica and El Salvador all sitting at six. Like They need to get points to stay close to Panama. They need Panama to drop something moving forward. And because we go to Kingston to play Jamaica, who happened to be one of these three teams, mm -hmm. that gives me a little cause for concern. And also on top of this, Jamaica's got to be kicking themselves because Mikel Antonio scored a, a world-class goal, by the way. If you're going to go watch any highlights, go watch his goal against El Salvador. But they gave up a goal in the 89th minute, which has got to be heartbreaking because they had a chance to get up to eight points. And now Alex Roldan, MLS or brother That's of correct. Christian Roldan. Yeah, ni nice header in the 89th minute to tie it up 1-1. El Salvador is very tough at home, so that would have been a good result for Jamaica in particular to have two away games, Honduras and then in El Salvador, to get full six points out of those two games. They got four, which is still respectable, but this Jamaica team is starting to find their space a little bit, so it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But that there's a little gap now between the haves and the have-nots, and, and those have-nots are going to be pretty desperate here in these next couple of games, and we happen to play one of them in the next one, so it's going to be pretty tough. I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure Alfonso Davies played up top tonight for Canada. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen too I, much. I, I saw I saw their goal, but I didn't get to see too much of the game because I was so heavily focused on the U.S. beating Mexico two to zero. Yeah. Let's go, boys! <laughs> I will I will say this: the, the, uh, so nobody misunderstands us. We are not writing off Panama whatsoever. No, hundred percent. Right? Uh, and they're continuing to show that they're going to be the thorn in the sides of the U.S. and Mexico, who are expected to be in the top three. And then Canada, who's emerged, right? And we just had a, a comment here from, from Colby saying that a full-strength Jamaica would be a top three team as well. Uh, that's, that's, that's the hard part. You know, you get a few games behind this, but to give up a 90th minute, you've kind of got most of your, your, your players in at this point. It's tough to find a rhythm with those players because players are just names on paper no matter what the club that they play at until you can find that cohesion i think jamaica's really struggled to get all those players in consistently obviously because we saw before they couldn't go to certain countries uh that were players that were playing in the, in the uk uh which is which is difficult but we'll see this 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 game against the u.s for for jamaica is going to be a a tough a tough task um especially when you think about that Mikel antonio um, Leon Bailey, you think about the speed, but again, they're vulnerable in transition. And I think the U S matches up well against their back line. Again, we're going to do a full, full preview on that, uh, soon. So make sure you guys stay tuned in and also make sure you have the notifications on because when we do go live or when we do create this content, we want to make sure that, you know, it's basically like us knocking on your door to say, Hey, we're, we're going to go do this. Come join us and get in on the conversation and throw those comments in just like we're doing right now. Jimmy, is there anyone, is there any sleepers in, in this group or or do you think we've pretty much found out who our four are i mean jamaica well uh is, yeah. is costa rica still have a chance for you there i mean where where are you at in terms of is there anybody that has any hope left of or are we or are we a four horse race uh looking for three guaranteed spots i, I think jamaica are still in there with a shout for sure and obviously i'm curious to see how they're going to perform against the u.s uh, next week on tuesday 
and make sure you're here for our preview and for everything else we're doing live. Turn on your notifications, as he says. Hit that subscription button, subscribe button too. I think Costa Rica's got to be gutted a little bit. They were outpossessed like 60 to 40 tonight in Canada. No Keeler Navas. And if you watch the goal that Canada score, it's a hopeful long ball or a free kick into the box. Goalkeeper spills it and Canada scores from there. Keeler Navas, I don't think, drops that ball. The goal, second goal that we scored against Costa Rica was a goalkeeper error, in my humble opinion. Should have made the save. We'll take it, of course, but but I don't know if Costa Rica is going to have enough. I think they're going to run out of gas. Honduras is dead for me. El Salvador, they go to play against Panama in Panama the next one. Doesn't look good, given that Panama just got that big, big result coming back from two down to win 3-2. I think they're going to want to see out that momentum against one of the weaker teams on paper in the CONCACAF region, which could really separate them. So I expect Panama to get another three points. That puts them on 14. And that's going to get really tricky. And if we can beat Jamaica, so if Panama beats El Salvador and we beat Jamaica, I think we have our top four. And then it's just a matter where everybody finishes. Yeah, when I look at that, it, it, it's funny because I thought that you know, one and a half points on 14 games would be, I don't know what that number is, but I think it was somewhere around 19 points uh, would qualify. Maybe it was 21 points. Uh, but now it, it might be different because if you separate this early, if you separate right. after this game, these it's going to go longer. And you're going to continue to have this separation where you have Panama, Canada, U.S., and Mexico all taking points off of the lower teams. Right. And then it's then you actually start to look back at a U.S.-Mexico and then Mexico against the U.S. and actually need those points uh, to create those gaps. And fortunately for the U.S., they got those three points, but they didn't get much help elsewhere uh, in, in, in today's matches. Um, looking at, at, at the game on, on, on Tuesday, Jimmy, and not specifically just the U.S. against Jamaica, but we're talking about Mexico against Canada. I mean, is there anything from those? Uh, Elliot Stevens is saying that he didn't like Herdman's rotations, kept Davies and Larea on the left and Tejon on the right. No need to, or he's saying keep keep them. Keep Davies and Larea uh, on see, the left and Tejon on the right. No need to mess with that. Yeah, I mean. Well, here's the issue with that, Elliot. I'm just going to say that you didn't like the rotations but they're still getting rewarded for those rotations. So you might not like John Herdman's tactics at times, but they still are undefeated. They're the only undefeated team left in CONCACAF. And you have to give credit where credit's due. Maybe they didn't flow and didn't have the rhythm as much tonight, but it seems like for the most part, John Herdman has been pushing all the right buttons. He's got a quality squad. I'm actually really excited for Canada to qualify for the first World Cup since 86. I think it's a big deal. I find it awesome that Alfonso Davies is playing up top. And I just think that speaks to his versatility that he can be dangerous in so many different positions around the field. And yeah, I really like Canada right now. They got a big test though. Their next game is against Mexico in Edmonton where they just played tonight against Costa Rica. It's going to be a tough test and it's a must win now in some ways for Mexico, because can they really go through one qualifying window with two losses to their two biggest rivals right now? That, that's a big question and something we did address a little bit earlier about Tata Martino being on the hot seat. I think it depends on how they play. I could see another draw there, especially because Canada went down to Estadio Azteca and got a draw in Mexico City. I feel like Mexico owe them a little bit, but it's going to be freezing cold. So we'll see if the Mexican national team can handle that because it was a little cold in Cincinnati as well. And they didn't seem they got a little tired there at the end, I think. Yeah, and interestingly enough for this Canada side, Jimmy, when I look at the players they put on the field, right? Mark Anthony Kay is is a part-time starter in the Canadian national team at the moment. Uh, Eustachio um, is is a starter and a game-changer for them. But then you look at Tejon Buchanan. You know you got Kyle Laren right now coming off the bench. He's got the most goals of anyone in CONCACAF, I think, uh, in, over the calendar year, including the last rounds for, for the national team. 
And then, you know, off the bench, Jonathan Osorio came in for Alfonso Davies. Uh, Atiba Hutchinson, another experienced player, probably the mm-hmm, most experienced mm-hmm. player of anybody, uh, even, I, I, I would guess, maybe even, in, I mean, maybe Kaylor Navas and a few others in Mexico, but like one of the most experienced players in CONCACAF right now, still playing at a high level. They've just got a lot of depth that I, I it's hard for me to believe that two or three injuries or, or, or a dip in form or some of your players aren't playing, that they don't have the tools to qualify, which is why, you know, we're obviously making more of, of a of a statement that they can they're going to to qualify. And then, by the way, we're playing right into the seasonal. Caleb's talking about this exactly. The seasonal advantages of Canada. We never we haven't seen Canada in a final round of World Cup qualifying. And again, I don't remember the scheduling and timing, but you would generally we saw the the, the snow game in Denver and things like that. Mm-hmm. It was one degree Celsius tonight, but it felt a lot colder. Let alone next week when it's minus seven. That. <laughs> I mean, you know what it's like, Jimmy. You're, you're, it stings. It burns. Would you rather play? Actually, here's a good question. Would you rather play in all like super hot or super cold? I prefer super cold, to be honest. My, my, I'm, and it's, it's funny because I, I would love to play super hot only because I know the field will be in a decent condition more mm-hmm. often than not, right? The, the, yeah. well, it can't be on turf because then like your feet will melt. But if you're playing on grass, I, I'd want to go super hot. But if you can, if you can promise me on a super, if it's super cold out, that the field will still be okay and play pretty straight, I would probably, I'd rather go super cold, frankly. Yeah. But, but uh, I don't know, dude. I'm, I'm got Scandinavian blood in my, my veins, so I probably yeah. drawn to the cold a little bit. But yeah, uh, and I and I feel like cold, you can, you can, yeah, you get the cold, you get the stinging, the burning of the toes and the hands, but you can keep going, whereas. Heat depletes you differently, uh, where you have a limited amount of resources to use. At least for me, uh, I remember those hot games of just being like, "Oh yeah, it's halftime. Like I'm done. There's nothing. There's <laughs> no, no, nothing left." But when we, you know, one of the criticisms, Jimmy, and, and not criticisms, but one of the things that is talked about widely in Major League Soccer is the advantages that happen because of all the climates that we have here. Right? You go into the UK and you're like, "Oh, it's more rainy in Newcastle, but it's still rainy in London." Right? Yeah. Right. Um, but in MLS, you have uh, altitude uh, in, in Denver and you mm-hmm, have altitude mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in Salt Lake and you have cold, dreary weather in, in, in Canada. You have seasonal changes happening. You know, you go down to the south and you play a day game. It's, it's miserable. It, you're seeing that now. We always talk about that when you go down to Central America, the humidity and the heat and the pitch and all these things where like Canada is a new element that, that people are going to have to deal with coming through the uh, January and February matches. And I think probably March, I'm not sure which of those they have home games. Um, but now finishing this one off from Mexico, they've got to do it. And it's, it's, it, it is, I, I know it's just November, but it's cold there. Yeah. It's, it's, it is a, it is an advantage as you say that, that because we actually haven't thought about Canada in the last phase of qualifying for a number of number of years, decades, it, it's, it is to their advantage that they get to play in these, circumstances and take advantage of it and fair play to them. And on top of that, they actually have a team that's very solid. I mean, I guess we could argue when I would go down, I don't know. Were you down there when we qualified for the world cup in San no. Pedro Sula? No, I wasn't. A, a, oh my game. God. I would walk, I walked like 10 feet and it was just like drenched in sweat. I mean, it was, the humidity was crazy. And so I think that those, those countries have to take advantages where they can. And, and, you know, they'll play that, that game was like 10 at night because it just was insufferable to, to play it at any other time, but they could, they've done day games before against the U S 
and, and it makes it hard. You just can't breathe. And, and it's, yeah. So I have no problem with it. I think that's part of it. That's part of the game. That's part of world cup qualifying. And, and if you have a home field advantage, you should take it. I like that. Jimmy, should we start wrapping this up for the evening? We've we've kept people long enough. It's getting late. I want to go celebrate. Yes. It's a Dos Acero. It's a Trace Acero on the year against Mexico. A wonderful, wonderful evening where we got to see more glimpses of the U.S. than I think we did earlier on in the summer where we were focusing more on like the fight. Uh, we saw a little bit more of the, the, the star mentality come out of these guys. What are your final thoughts? My final thoughts uh, are that I am very excited about the performance mainly because we found a way to rectify what wasn't working in the first half and went out and had success and did it consistently. It wasn't like we got that lucky set piece to get a goal or whatever. Like we had a plan and it was working. We stuck to it. The players identified some weaknesses and went for the the jugular in some ways, right? We didn't sit back or we created chance after chance after chance in the second half. And I want us to bottle that up and, and use it to the start of the first, first half against Jamaica. So hopefully we can build off of that. But ultimately, a fantastic performance from the boys. I think we haven't actually mentioned him too much, but I think Greg Berhalter deserves a, a lot of credit for, for getting the guys to, to play at the level that they're playing at and obviously making some tough choices about who's coming in and who's not, who's starting and who's not. And right now, he's been pushing all the right buttons. So long may that continue. I want to give a shout out to Canada, the only undefeated team still mm -hmm. in CONCACAF and uh, Mexico. That's going to be a great game in the next window. Uh, and then I'm really excited. Panama, well, well done on coming back from two down in Honduras to win 3-2. But yeah, another great day of CONCACAF. CONCACAF does what it does, which is make it crazy and chaotic as always. And uh, I'm actually going to go get a few drinks and celebrate with my Sonos beam. Hopefully that's okay with everybody. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well said, Jimmy. <laughs> Everyone is forging their own path. It's crazy to think that there's a Jimmy and a Heath somewhere in Panama right now talking about the success of their team. And uh, just a reminder, uh, we have loads more content in store for you throughout the so November many. window Goodness. and beyond. So make sure you follow or subscribe to K Golasso podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, follow us on Twitter at K Golasso pod, and make sure to subscribe to the K Golasso channel on YouTube. As a reminder, Sunday, we have our preview for Jamaica against the U.S. We talk about the other games as well. Monday is the U.S. Men's National Team Hour, and that's every Monday live at 4.15 p.m. Eastern time. And then on Tuesday, Jamaica versus U.S. live recap. And then, oh, wow, we have more? Jeez, Louise. Yeah, on, on Sunday. On Sunday, we're doing our Jamaica-U.S. preview. That's this Sunday, not the that's following this, Sunday. Yes, so that's, that's, be on the lookout, everybody. Yes. It's just, and, it's oh, just yeah. content Jimmy, after content after content. It's free. Jimmy, it's there's free. more. Then we have the, then we have a Wednesday. We'll do our November window debrief live at 5 p.m. That yes. we're going to talk about this whole window. Friday weekend uh, previews with betting tips. Sunday live weekend recap at 4 p.m. Eastern time. So Jimmy and I, as well as others, will be coming back to you guys. Make sure you're subscribed and tune in. Get your notifications. Do it, do hit it, that bell. It, get that like. It. And by the way. You still have a few seconds left, maybe after this, you can still uh, throw in your social media handles so that uh, we can make Des, our producer's life, miserable having to sift through all those, <laughs> put them all into one pool, the pull raffle, out a random baby. name, and then give away uh, a, that uh, $100 gift card for the Paramount Plus do subscription. It, and it. if you guys like that, let us know. We'll try to do more of these giveaways for you guys because it's fun to engage with you guys. And thank you so much from Jimmy Conrad and I. We will see you guys on Sunday. USA. USA, 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 USA!
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.